Pastor Chris obviously is not here today, but he sends his regards. He says, uh, misses you guys and uh, says hi, but obviously for me, it's exciting. I get to be the relief pitcher uh, for my baseball people. Baseball's already started, so uh, that's, that's my jam. So it's, it's always an honor and a privilege to be able to stand here and share the word. God's been speaking to, uh, uh, to us through, you know, this last uh, sermon series that we've been doing, and it's been obviously a privilege for me today to just end the series, but I also wanted to invite you to next week and the next coming weeks because we're starting our Easter uh, sermon series as well. We'd love for you guys to connect and engage with us with that. We have a few things that we're doing, and again, it's an exciting time. Easter is like our Super Bowl, so please come out. Please come out and invite. You know, that's kind of the, our heart as well, and yeah, we'd just love to continue to see you guys here, especially into next week. So, uh, as I said, I'm ending our series obsolete. You know, we've been talking about uh, where we find our practical day-to-day living for our faith and so many good application things that we've seen from being a husband to being a friend to being a father to being a worker and what that looks like uh, with our instruction from the new covenant. So today I just, I have the honor of talking, talking about something that's very important to me and the reason why I'm here. And I'll start with a story. So basically, my age of probably, I'd say probably 12 to 15, my week basically looked like this. So Monday, prayer meeting. Tuesday, leadership school. Wednesday, youth group. Thursday, I don't even know why we were in church on Thursday, but we were in church on Thursday too. Friday, discipleship. That was what my age of 11 to 15 looked like. I was in church every single day from vigils to Bible studies to anything and everything that was happening at the church. I was there and it was great. And my mom would say that it helped me get out of trouble, but when she, well, she does know. Sometimes it didn't get me out of trouble. You know, I still got in trouble sometimes. It's fine. No ju- don't judge me, please. Um, but that was what my life experience was when it comes to the church. I was in church. I was always involved in doing things. And it's really neat how we all have our different experiences as well. You know, there's different uh, backgrounds and different, uh, uh, I guess, um, categories of Christianity, you could say, denominations and things that you were brought up with and things that you do and things that you don't. I've had plenty of conversations. I have so many different friends. They were either Catholic or Baptist. In fact, I won't even share what Pastor Chris and I's banter looks like on a regular, but we do just based of our backgrounds. We are able to do that. I don't suggest you do it with anyone else. But it's, it's awesome to learn and to grow with that. And man, I just, I've continued to just, you know, in my mind, just be burdened by what the church looks like today. Also just be open-minded to the direction that the church is heading as well. And I've been doing kind of some research over the last, you know, a couple of weeks as I was preparing and anticipating just being here today and being with you guys. And I just grew in my mind, why is it that people are going to church today? What is it that people are coming to do? What are they looking for? What's the purpose? What's the intent? Uh, Gallup, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Gallup. Gallup is a pretty big company. And basically what they do is that they uh, uh, specialize in doing polls on specific things. Anything that you want to find some statistics on, Gallup is probably a a pretty good source for it. And they did a poll for why people are going to church. And I'd like to you know, put that up there because it was quite interesting to me just kind of getting an understanding of what people are looking for and what they're doing. You know, 23% of people say for spiritual growth and guidance. 20% of people says it keeps me grounded and guided was what my mom was taking me to church for. Kudos on her. Uh, 15%, it's my faith. You know, it's what I do. It's what I learned you know, to do. It's my faith. You know, people 
kind of throw that information out there. 15% to worship God, you know, what we were just doing and in different ways as well. 13% fellowship of the members. We know that word fellowship, right? It's tossed around, you know, between our setting and, and in this setting right now. 12 say, you know, they believe in God or in religion. Okay, you know, that's pretty generic as well. And 12% of people, you know, say that it was the way that they were brought up. In other words, it's their tradition of what they do. So, I'm not going to lie, as I saw those statistics, you know, some of them were, you know, okay, you know, pretty standard and normal, but that last, that last statistic made me think of myself, but then it also made me think of friends and also even my own kids, that the lowest percentage of why people are going to church is because that's how they were brought up and what they were doing. That was kind of challenging to hear, you know, for me. So like anyone else that's interested in data and numbers, I know the nerd side of me, it's fine. You know, I encourage research and data. That made me then just go straight into a kind of a, what I call a, a black hole of information. So I've spent just hours looking at different statistics and different things. And I'll tell you what, I stopped, I stopped here in this next one because I kind of was shook. And to a reality that I've heard people talk about and even have seen with my own eyes happen, it was, you know, basically the decline of the church and where things are at in regards to people attending church. And if you could put that graph up for me. Essentially, what's going on since 1994 to 2014, and I can guarantee you that in the last five years from 2014 to now, I mean, there's not been a spike upwards. I mean, it's a consistent downward trend. People aren't going to church. You know, the ones that were brought up with it, that valued it, that grew up with a tradition of going to church, they're not. And these people are, this is a poll based off of people that at least go once a month. So it's not like, you know, people that aren't engaging or aren't a part. These are for people that are, you know, that they consider the church valuable. It's, it's not going upwards anytime soon. I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news, but I, I assume that you guys with culture and what you see on your day-to-day, you'd probably gather the same information that I did from this. Am I right? This is a big, big tension for me currently because as much as we've been talking about in this series, things being obsolete, right, and where we get our information from so that we can be practical using the word for, our, again, our relationships, our parenting, our friendships. As much as those things, the enemy's making a move so that the church would be obsolete. If you guys wrap your minds around that, that's what his intent is. His intent is to make this gathering, this what we know, to be obsolete itself. And I'm, I'm sorry about you guys, but this is just kind of created a a sense of urgency in my heart to find out the why. And I'm hopeful that we can take some steps today into, you know, understanding the why. And in the other sense, then what do we need to do to prevent this as best as we can? So do this with me. I'm not going to have anyone close their eyes because that could be weird. There's a lot of ritually things out there. But I am very much a person that likes to let my mind travel, let my uh, just mind go to places and experience things in a certain way. So think of yourself today with everything that you know, the same person that you are, plus you know Koine Greek. That's, that's the additive that you're going to get. You know Koine Greek. We hop into a time-traveling machine. I'm the driver because no one gets to drive it. I want to drive it. So we hop into a time-traveling machine. We all hop in there. I press two buttons. Yes. Thank you, Jake. It's a Back to the Future reference. We hop in there, I press the button, press 20 million buttons, and we're there. We get to where we go. We get out of this place, and what we see 
because we know Koine Greek, we understand what people are saying. We look up and we see Peter just wrapping up his message. He's sharing the word, he's sharing his own experiences. The word itself says that he just, he was, he, he just got inspired by the spirit and shared some words and people are receiving it. People are just like, I need it. I, you know, whatever he's saying, that's, that's the truth. And people are starting to, and guess what? The spirit comes over and they, people are getting saved. People are getting baptized. And guess what? Then we all say, okay, this is it. This is our place. This is we're where we need to be. We're with believers. People are talking about getting baptized. People are saying that, you know, they're, they're coming together. They're going to have meals together. We, we found what we we're looking for, which is phenomenal. So let's say that I approach someone and I say, okay, you know, um, uh, my name is Juan. You know, we just, we came from a different place. I'm trying to figure out the schedule for, you know, you guys' services and your gatherings and things like that. And the person looks at me and says, gathering schedules? He starts preaching to me. He says, do you know Jesus? Have you been baptized? I'm like, no, 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 I, I am. I, I'm, I know Jesus. I've accepted him in my heart. I know that he was raised from the dead. I know that he, you know, he came and he gave his life for me. I just, I, I even been baptized. I just want to know where the gatherings are, like where the vigils are at, where's the Bible studies, where, where's the stuff? Where's the stuff for me to do? And they're shaking their heads and they're looking at me. And obviously at this point, you know, some frustration because obviously I know Koine Greek and they're still not getting what I'm saying. I say one more time, like, where is church? Where is it? Like, I want to go see it. I want to, you know, I got a group of people that we want to just go see it. And they're going to tell me this. It's something, church? We don't, we don't go to church. We don't, we don't go to church. We are. This is us. This is, this is who we are. This is what we've become. This is hello, like, you just heard Peter talking, like he told us what to do, and he instructed us in this way, let's, what are you talking about? Go to a church. I'm, I'm the church. I am. I am the church. That's, that's what they would say. I just have to be honest, because I've been in this journey, and I'm, I've thought in moments that I understand what the Spirit has led me to. I under, I've, under, I've thought in moments that I'm reading the Word and, and taking it in and that the Lord is speaking me through it. But man, I have so much been short. I've cut it short to what this reality is and what this tradition for us is. Am I saying that gathering in this setting is not ideal or is not, we can't take from it or it's not beneficial or it's not, there's nothing to gain? Absolutely not. The fact that we can freely come together in this building and sing together and encourage one another, shake hands, embrace. That's a beautiful thing that, you know what? In countries, they can't do that. I have to, and I do, I value this so much, but I've even cut it short. Why? Because the lights turn on in here and it's time to have church. And in the same way, where sometimes I'm the one that sh shuts down in here, shuts all the lights off, locks the door, I shut it down and I walk out and the church is right behind me. I don't walk out with that mentality. I don't carry it with me. In fact, just the same way that it's shut off, just the same way that I shut the lights off, just the same way that I lock the doors up, that's the same way, the same way we lock up the church. We've locked me. I'm talking about myself. I've shut it down. I've locked it up. Not caring the reality that a new early church Christian would say, man, I'm the church building? Like, there's plenty of buildings. You can go see whatever you want. I'm the church. Again, my mind is just full of things. And when it comes to the church, there's so much 
to it. So I, in the time frame that I have, I'm going to try my best to just give two specific areas that I know that if we embrace this change and we become the church and we go and we just go and be the church, it's just not going to impact ourselves. It's not going to impact the people around us, but it's going to impact that statistic. We're not going to be a church that our, our statistic is downward, that in 20 years from now, we're going to drop another 15% in attendance. That's not what we're going to be. That's not what we're going to be. When I think of the church and what it is to be the church, and even on a day-to-day, what my life is like to be the church, I think of one thing, and it's a term, just like this next term that I'll share. It's, it, the term is one that we use, and I don't know how appropriately we use it. When I look at being in the church, I think about worship. Well, Juan, okay. I can't sing karaoke. I can't even sing in my house. My kids make fun of me. I don't feel confident in my voice. Listen, I don't either, but believe me, if you come on here on a Wednesday, which is prep day for us, me and Michael, we're tearing this building down. We're going against each other. We're singing different songs, sometimes even different languages. You, it's a treat. It's a treat. I'm not encouraging this type of worship. I'm encouraging something that Paul spoke and wrote to the church in Rome. There was a lot of stuff going on in, in Rome. There's a lot of different people there. Again, people are still having a, a mentality of old, uh, the way that they did things prior to Christ. They're having a mentality of these things. And Paul is saying, listen, listen, Jew, Gentile, I don't care. Jesus came for all of us, including myself. He came for all of us. So he's giving them instruction and trying to, you know, encourage them even to just see things in a different way, in a different manner. And then he writes this to them in chapter 12. And I think he explains this beautifully, way better than I would. So let's read it with me. Or not read it with me, sorry. Just you can read it as I read it. (laughs) Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This is what this equates in my brain, and it might be different for some, but this is kind of what I'm getting in my brain. When we decide to become the church, when we decide to take that on, well, we're going to live a lifestyle of worship. This is what we're going to do. It's going to become our day-to-day. It's going to become our expression. It's going to become our anthem, just to use worship and song, you know, correlation. This is what's going to happen when we decide to embody the church. We're just going to live that lifestyle. Well, Juan, what are you talking about? What are you talking about living a lifestyle? What is, again, what does that look like for you? Well, I'm going to give you a great example. Let's say um, you go to work and you get a call from your boss. It's your day off. It's your day off. You took it off, you know, three weeks prior. He gives you a call and says, if you don't come into work, you're fired. Like, we're short. We need you. You need to come in right now. What's the first thing that you're going to, what's your first action, your first thing, your first, like, reaction? Oh, my goodness, I don't even want to read your brains. Because I'm seeing some faces right now, and it's like, mm, like, mm, like the attitude. I know it. I know it. Because I also have a flesh that if I'm presented with things in a way, I'm also like, what is going on? But you know what? This is what a lifestyle of worship looks like. Oh, Lord, help me, help me, help me. 
Ah, let no unwholesome word come from my mouth, only one to build up and edify. Okay. That's way different. That's way different. That's way different than just going out and just, again, being expressive to the way of, you know, again, you might be in the right to be angry. Another way, be angry and don't sin. That's something that's in our minds too, right? Again, this is the lifestyle. This is the lifestyle. This is the lifestyle. Scenario number two. Let's say that um, you either got, you know, caught in something that you shouldn't be doing. Or you told someone something and then that person told them that they knew that it wasn't true. It was a lie. And you're confronted at that moment with something like that. Well, you got two options. One, oh, I got to come up with something else. But again, oh, no, I need to be the church. I need to worship. What does the word say? Speak truth each to one another with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Again, it comes. Why? Because it's a lifestyle. It's, you know, it's, this is what, okay, I can't, I can't lie. I can't continue to, you know, slander or whatever the case may be. I need to, I need to live this out. I need to live this out. That's what's, that's what's going to come. Another example, and this is one that's very common to all of us. Someone subs your toe. Someone, oh my goodness, this is a perfect example. I was driving up in 275 and a lady was this close to hitting us. She cut us off. I'm just going straight, didn't even merge or anywhere. And literally I saw, I, I feel like I saw the car on our van. Let's say that happens or, and worse, let's say that they hit you. And then, I mean, I know, again, I'm seeing your faces. You don't have to tell me what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. But you know what? When we decide to become the church, we become the church. Holy Spirit, help. I am the church. I live to worship. I have a lifestyle of serving, of living in your way. You know what comes to mind? Be kind to one another, tender heart, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. This is what, this is what should happen. This is what should happen. This is, this is what that lifestyle looks like. You know what's interesting too? I just shared three verses they were all in the same chapter, Ephesians 4. I feel like that's for the nerdy people like myself. Some statistic, yeah, I go, I know, it wasn't a big deal for you guys, that's fine. All found within five, six, seven verses of each other. The quality of your lifestyle, the way that you live, how you speak, what you decide to say, how you decide to do things, what you decide to present people with, your family, your coworkers, uh, the people that you love, the people that you befriend, the people that you don't befriend, the quality of that is going to equate to the quality of your worship. And that's what makes the difference of being impactful. I think of these folks, these early cho- church folks that nothing disrupted their way of thinking. Nothing put them in a position to not carry what they were given, what they were instructed with. That's what I see. Their quality of lifestyle what they, again, every part of their life, that equated to the quality of their worship. And to take it a further step, just to define it for us even more, when we live to worship, when we decide to be the church, to walk out of this building and not shut our internal lights as if we were this building, when we decide to walk and live that, that's when our faith is most impactful. That's when we see change. That's when we see people curious about, man, like, bosses, you know, our boss just kind of ripped want a new one like but he's chill in fact he just like 
put his ear, you know, buds in and was just going to town working. Or family, oh my goodness, like your siblings. I just, you know, went to town on one. You know, I would have assumed that he would have retaliated on me, but he hugged me, he told me he loved me, and he just moved on. Well, that's pretty weird. It is. It is. But why? When we live to worship in that way, when we decide to make that decision, that's when it becomes most impactful. So, as we walk out of this building, as we decide to be the church, as we decide to live a lifestyle of worship, then there's two areas that we know will change. There's two areas that we know will be very much different, will be more like the early church. And the first one is koinonia. Awan, what is that? Koinonia. It's a term that we use. It's a term that just happened, happened uh, Thursday night, right? For those guys that weren't around, we went axe throwing, sweet. I was in the top. I don't know. Okay, I'm not going to give a stat. That's not true. Ryan's looking right at me. I wasn't the best, <laughs> but I wasn't the worst. I'll just say that. Koinonia, fellowship. Listen, I'm all about having fun. Ask anyone that knows me. I just, I'm down. If you say, Juan, let's try this. Dude, let's do it. Let's go. Like, that's me. If you're wanting to do something, I'll go out and do it. And that's fantastic. In fact, that's how relationships are cultivated. That's how we're able to then connect in a deeper level. That's the significance of, I feel like, of life, at least for me. Man, having relationships and having real, true friendships, that's, that's where it's at for me. But this word koinonia that's used in Acts 2, representing fellowship, gathering together, it's, it's a little bit more than what we typically do, or a little bit more than what we anticipate. This is, the, this is a Greek word that's used, again, Acts 2.42. This is it, and this is what it means. Intimate spiritual communion and participative, participative sorry, sharing and a common religious commitment and spiritual community. I mean, that could be fun for sure, but, but that's pretty intense, isn't it? It's different. Why? Because it's more intentional, because it's intimate, because it's having something in common, sharing this commonality, religious commitment. These things, these things are different. They're different than what just having fun. And again, which I'm all for it. I'm all for the fun. I'm the first one to sign up for anything that's fun. But this is a little bit more intentional. This is a little bit more direct. And if there's anyone, again, that can explain it better than I can, like I say, it's Paul himself. You know, he's writing to the church in Galatians over a few chapters. He is letting everyone know, all these people know, hey, you've been accepted into the family of Christ, no matter what your background was, no matter what, you know, you've done, no matter what people have said to you in the past, you're accepted. You say yes to Jesus, you're a part of this family. You're accepted. And then he continues to go on and says, you know what, it, this is what you have to, this is how you have to live. This is what walking by the spirit looks like. This is what taking instruction from the word looks like. And then he just says this, and I, I just have to love this because he also acknowledges that on a day-to-day, -day, we, also, we also have our faults and that perfection isn't always demanded of us. Jesus knows that we're not gonna get it right every time. Isn't that good news? It is for me because I tend to get it wrong, right? He says this in verse 1 of chapter 6. Brethren, if, any, if anyone is caught in any trespasses, you 
toward spiritual. Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Each one look into yourself so that you're not... So that you're not, so that you too will not be tempted. He's sharing this specifically because he understands of our imperfection. He's saying, you know what? You're going to gather and you're going to have connections and you're going to, you know, have develop friendships with people that aren't perfect. One, you're not. Two, they're not. So three, be with them in gentleness. But two, also be cautious of yourself because we have a flesh that we're contending with. That's our reality. I typically talk about that quite a bit. If you don't know what the flesh is, it's important to do a study on it because it's what every evil thing that wants to come out, every unwholesome word, every evil deed, that's where it comes from. But he says this in verse two, and this is, again, this is just, for me, it's been impactful, and I'm consistently, even as a believer like you are, at the same level, I'm consistently trying to push to get this right. Verse two, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking so much about loving like Jesus has loved us, right? In every area of our life, to just be committed uh, like Jesus was committed, to share and empower just like Jesus committed. He just described fellowship the way that it should be, which is to care burdens, to carry burdens for one another. Man, I can't tell you how many seasons of life I've had that the burdens on my shoulders are just literally bringing me down. You know, I've, I've been oftentimes put the kids on my shoulders as a representation of things that come into life, despair, again, specific things, you know, whether that's health issues or job-related or family-related. There's so many things that happen just living your day-to-day. I would have not made it still. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for even with sometimes without me seeing it, someone taking off a burden off my shoulders. Prayer follow-up, a genuine care. You know what this means, what fellowship truly means, what we should take it on, and where I think I personally have fallen short, and I'm doing my best to try and get to it, fellowship is, the carrying of one another's burdens is, it's caring for your brothers and sisters in life's toughest moments. This is what, this is what fellowship is. This is what Paul's talking about. This is what he's, this is what he's talking about. Koinonia, you know, it's, it's, it's so fantastic to have fun. It's so great to do things with each other. It's so, you know, awesome to have a good time. Again, we enjoyed a good time ourselves, but this is, this is what he's talking about. It's caring for your brother and sister in life's toughest seasons. I'll tell you what, when you think about things that are burdened, if you're going to be burdened by someone, it should distress you. You should be bothered by it. You should be worried, Right? You should be even like upset. It's a real, it's a real thing. A burden is just something real. And that's what I'm praying that the Lord gives me. If we're going to continue to see the church move upwards, as opposed to be a part of the statistics and see it downslope, as opposed to seeing, you know, the traditions that we are sharing with our kids and our friends disappear. I mean, if it's true to the statistics, in the next 40 years, the church is gone. We need to carry each other because life isn't getting easier. And that's what fellowship means. That's what fellowship looks like. Now, we're, we're there, you know, watching the early church, seeing them go to house to house, share with each other, care for one another. We're seeing them, we're there, we're listening to them. We're, we're kind of looking at how they're approaching life together as believers. Man, the next thing that when you do koinonia, when you do fellowship in the way that it should be done, the next thing that you're going to be sparked to do is the making of disciples. There's no way 
I've shared okay things to do that happened to me. In fact, on our group that I have here on Wednesday night, which I don't know if you guys know, if you're not part of a group, or I'd just love to continue to have a conversation with you about it. On my group on Wednesday nights, the first thing that we start off with is highs and lows. I take opportunities every week to celebrate wins and to also talk about losses and to pray with them. There is no way that when you share what Christ has done and is doing in your life, that someone's not going to be curious about it. There's no way. There's no way that you, when you embody the church and you're living a life that's, again, worthy of, of worship and things are happening just like everyone else deals with things, but instead of letting unwholesome things come out of your mouth or sinning in anger, people are starting to see that be the change, that there isn't sin and anger or that you don't go ahead and rebuke and tell your whatever, what you're thinking at the moment. They're going to be curious about that. Who wouldn't be? That's, this is what the, nor- the normal part of life is, to say what you want to say, to be what you want to be. That's what culture is all about. When people start seeing that you're like holding back and again, not offending, and in fact, like loving people or putting people before you, again, which is a sacrificial love that Jesus is talking about, they're going to be curious. Who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? Now, with all that to say, this is a contention that I get with people, so I'm going to just snip it in the bud. I'm not expecting you to get on a corner and preach. I'm not expecting you to even like be up here or even, I have no expectation of anything. But you know what? You know who does have an expectation though? Christ does. So he gathered a group of men, 12 men, fishermen, tax collector. You know why he did that? Intentionally. These men were fishermen. What a, I don't know what a fisherman knew back then, but I bet you they didn't go to school. I bet you they didn't have an art of language or speech. I'm just thinking, you know, based on the research that I did, a fisherman couldn't like write, you know, a book or something. That's not what they did. They were a fisherman. He picked these people intentionally as well as he picked you. And he's sitting with them. Every moment that he had with these disciples was a beautiful moment. He's sitting with them and he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm, the, I'm a vine and you guys are an extension of me, branches, Branches of me, connected to me, showing fruit, bearing fruit in the way that I'm calling you to do. This is a picture that he gave to them. He gave to them this beautiful image of how everything that flows from you comes from him because he's connected to you in that way when you decide to make him your Lord and Savior. Everything just flows from you. But he tells them this. He tells them this really, really important thing, and I think is what we as well should carry. John 15, starting in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name may be given to you. And again, he says it again. This is my command. This is this I command you, that you love one another. Our life's purpose, when we become the church, we walk out of here and we say, you know what? Lights are keeping on. I'm not shutting us down. I'm the church. When we walk out of this building and we decide to live a lifestyle of worship, you know, anything that I do, anything that I say is going to be to glorify God. I'm not going to let the circumstances of this world or the circumstances that I go through every day keep the church within. I'm going to let it out, no matter what the circumstance. I'm going to seek the word and I'm going to be empowered by the word. When we decide to do that, man, that should be a bearing 
beautiful bearing of fruit, being connected to him, living it out. And again, this journey, it's, it's like I said earlier, things aren't necessarily getting easier for the church or for us. So I'm not coming up here and saying that this is like a make-believe, easy thing that I'm, this is a challenge and a challenge that I've accepted and a challenge that I hope that you accept as well. That as we are the church and as we decide to worship and live that lifestyle, that we could bear fruit, that we could bear fruit, a fruit that will last, starting with the commandment to love. Out of love, that's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. So I've been quoting, uh, I've been quoting Acts 2 all service, and I've been quoting it and saying there, but I kind of wanted to lay a little bit of foundation before I sat down and read it. So with the context that we just talked about, with the context of being the church as opposed to going, living that lifestyle of worship where we glorify God in everything that we do, and that we put ourselves in a position to then share and connect with people in a way that we can show our worship, not just by words, but by actions. Let's read it, to get, let's read it then. Acts 2, verse, verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, that's the koinonia, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. 44, and, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45, and they began selling their properties and their possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have a need. 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those were being saved. I can't speak on a, you know, world level. You know, I'm doing bits of research here and there and even just challenging myself uh, to gain and understand um, what's happening. But I, I, don't, I don't see that every day. I don't see our numbers being added every day. In fact, I'm just seeing what's happening in that graph, a downslope of people valuing, gathering together of people you know, deciding not to come together and be inspired by the word and be challenged. Goodness, but that's, that's because it needs to start with an outward expression from us. It needs to start with a desire of, instead of making it a tradition to just come here into this place and having a wonderful, fantastic time, because I've had a great service so far, chatting with people that you know, being encouraged, talking about what happened on Thursday, and then just walking out shutting the lights off, and walking out. In fact, Jesus says that we need to be the light of the world. So if anything, you know, this light switch that we physically shut off in this church, within us it shouldn't be. If anything, we need to shine it as bright as we can, living a lifestyle of worship, living a lifestyle of worship that people may know how burdened we are with each other, that people may know that you're invested in one another, that you're carrying your brother almost in a sense in the hardest and difficult seasons of life that we all have. And you know what? There's no way that people aren't going to be curious of that lifestyle. You're not going to have to sit and stand in a corner and with your Bible and preach. People are going to say, it's like, why didn't you talk back to this guy that did that? Why didn't you just like road rage on that person that just cut you off? 
Why didn't you, in fact, just be like normal, like everybody else is? Why, why won't you do? Well, because I, I have Christ. And Christ has called me to love. No matter the circumstance, no matter what I'm dealing with, no matter what I'm doing, he's called me to love. No matter how I feel, this is a decision that I've made to be the church. I don't just go. I am the church. And I walk in a way that's worthy of the call, living in worship, following his command, which that embodies everything. I'll tell you what, if you love like Jesus did, if you love and you challenge yourself to love like Jesus did, everything else, everything else will be minimal. It'll be nothing. And that's my prayer and my challenge today. In fact, I'm almost like wanting to turn on the lights and keep the lights on in here, but I'm, I also deal with the bills here, so I need to, I have kind of a, that in my mind, so I'll shut them off. I'll shut them off. But you, crank them up. Crank them up. Side lights, normal lights, I don't care. Outdoor lights, whatever you need to do to show what a lifestyle of worship is, that the quality of your worship is your lifestyle. Do whatever it takes so that we don't become a statistic for our children, for our friends, for the people that we love and care, that we want them to grow in this way so that we don't become a statistic. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for, again, the challenge that your word brings us, Lord, and how you speak to us in different ways and how we decide, Lord, to just, uh, when we open the word and, and surrender what our mind and our hearts want to hear, Lord, you speak to us. You speak to us. And I pray that that's what happened here today, Lord, that there, just like I've been convicted, I've been convicted that I can't walk out of this building and just leave the church behind, Lord. I just pray that conviction of everyone in this room, that when we walk out of here, Lord, that we carry a representation of you. Why? Because we love you the same way that you loved us. And with that said, then we want to worship you anytime that we can in every area with our actions, with our words, with how we express ourselves. Lord, and that that would then grow a burden in our hearts for the person that's sitting right next to us, for the person that we aren't in touch with, for the person that needs a word of encouragement, Lord, because none of us are perfect. As Paul said, we're all susceptible, but Lord, having each other and having you, Lord, that's what sparks a change. So Lord, allow us to have that burden. And then as we have that burden, that then we would be able, Lord, to share and make disciples in the way that you've called, Lord. All authority has been given to you in heaven, Lord. And you've called us to bear fruit, no matter what we are, no matter what we look like, no matter what our background is, whether we go to church or have gone to church or not. When we decide to believe in you, Lord, we're connected to the vine. And we are those branches. So bear fruit in us, Lord, a fruit that will last, a fruit that will grow and expand your kingdom. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday, everyone. Enjoy the day.